So the title today is, Will Your Faith Be Rewarded? Okay, so if you need a title, uh, most of the time I just pick any title, any title will do, right? And then um, see what happens. Huh? So we could use the same title actually every week, but that would confuse the media team, and you couldn't find the message. So we got to pick a new one. But every week Jesus is victorious. Amen? Every week, Jesus is amazing, yeah? So, um, when we look at Hebrews 10, though, I'm going to start at verse 32. It could be that, uh, it could be that there's times when uh, we wonder a little bit, like they were wondering if they were doing the right thing. If it was really the right thing to follow this Jesus dude, and uh, if they really... Uh, should continue to place their faith in this, quote, good news message that they've heard. Uh, so it could be that uh, it could be that, that you have dealt with that question from time to time. Uh, remember, and just to kind of update us a little bit, uh, the context here is uh, this book is written to Jewish people, so Hebrew people, who have now recognized Jesus as the Christ. So remember, Christ is not his last name. Uh, it means Messiah, anointed one. So they've recognized Jesus as the Christ, as the anointed one. Uh, they've heard the message of good news, that uh, righteousness now comes by placing their trust in him because of what he's accomplished on their behalf. On uh, uh, And so... Uh, a means to righteousness through faith in Him has now been opened up apart from the law, apart from following the law and all of the, uh, the, the order of the law, the structure of the law, uh, the doctrines of the law, and including the Ten Commandments. Now that, that righteousness is available, that means a right relationship with God, uh, that means to receive uh, uh, an Im imputed or a credited right relationship, recognition with God to your own soul. So it's not just an adjustment in heaven in your spiritual bank account, but it's also an adjustment inwardly. So they're hearing this message, uh, but persecution has been growing quite a bit. And uh, so they're, they're no longer going to the synagogue unless they're going to share their faith, maybe. Uh, but they're instead gathering in these Christian meetings, and uh, they're worshiping Jesus. They're getting taught about the Lord. Uh, they're prophesying to one another. The gifts of the Spirit are, are active in their gatherings, and so people are getting healed. There's miracles and signs and wonders. All this is going on, but it's happening in about A.D. 64, and so persecution is growing, and uh, it's not super popular to be a Christian. Uh, 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 persecution is growing, and uh, uh, specifically against those who are believers, and yet at this moment, uh, there's not persecution for being a Jew. So Jew, now remember, uh, Israel's under Roman domination. So uh, the Jews are not experiencing all this persecution. So the temptation is to go back to the synagogue. The, the temptation is to forsake their faith. And so that's the context of Hebrews. And uh, 
and they're really feeling like it. And he's, he, he, Paul, the writer, is really bringing strong emphasis to this uh, in chapter 10 with some interesting thoughts about, about timing and what's happening with timing. Uh, so let's pick it up to verse 32, chapter 10, verse 32, and uh, go through some of this, see what we can learn. Is that all right? Uh, remember those early days after you received the light when you endured a great conflict full of suffering. Are we in the same translation? That's good. So I think we're reading at the New International today. Uh, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that yourselves had a better and lasting possession. You knew that yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So he's talking to this particular uh, group of Hebrews that are going to receive this letter. And in the immediate context, they've already gone through some stuff. They've already had stuff taken. They've already had to give up some stuff. They've already lost property. And this is interesting because I, I, I don't know that, uh, I mean, uh, this is powerful. Uh, and uh, and I, I pray that every one of us would be able to walk through the same thing. We have to trust that the grace of the Lord would be sufficient for us to be joyful. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. So they, they knew something deep uh, within and they, they already had bought into something deep within that whatever persecution was going on, whatever suffering, whatever difficulty, whatever loss, it didn't compare with what was coming, and it didn't compare with who they now knew. So they knew, they, they knew and by the way, we're, gonna, we're, we're just going to dive into uh, some stuff here, but they, they knew that they had a promise of breakthrough that would sustain them even through what they were going through so that they were going to come out the other side with breakthroughs that were greater than what they lost. And there's some stuff in here for us to learn as well as we think about whatever we endure that God, the God of reward, the God of recompense, the God of restoration, the God of increase, the God of help, is actually going to bring you through whatever you're going through so that on the other side of what you're going through, the reward, the blessing, the increase is going to be so much more. I'm thinking of Proverbs 6.31 even, that, that, uh, that there is a sevenfold restoration to those who suffer loss. 1 Peter chapter 3, I love that. 1 Peter th chapter 3, it, it says that if we suffer and yet it's not because we've done what's wrong, then glory does rest upon us. And, and God, the God who rescues, will show up and, and there will be a rescue. And this is part of what we have to know inwardly so that we can rejoice no matter what's happening and we can abide in joy because we know the end of a thing, the end of anything that we're going through is going to turn out for our good. It's going to turn out for our good. The message of Joel chapter 2, and this is not the sermon, but the message of Joel chapter 2, 
uh, is that even if you cause the problem, then if you'll repent, you know what repent means? Metanoia in the Greek, repent. If you'll turn back to God, if you'll make a 180 degree turn in your heart toward God, then God will punish the very enemy that you welcomed when you sinned. The very enemy, the very loss, the very mess up, the very goof up, the very, the very uh, harm that you welcomed when you messed up, if you'll just repent, if you'll just turn your heart back to Him, God will punish that enemy that you allowed due to your difficulty, due to your stupidity, due to your foolishness, due to your carnality. God will punish the snot out of that enemy. He will drive the demonic power off of your life, and God will restore you even if you're the one that caused the problem. What kind of a God is that? That's Joel chapter 2, and he, he begs them in Joel chapter 2, right? Joel chapter 2, he says, just turn to me. Just, just rent your heart and not your garment and see that I won't show up. See that I won't come. See that I won't arrive. See that I won't drive the northern army off of you and punish that northern army and see that I will not restore what the palmer worm, the canker worm, every kind of thing that came against you has brought. And he says, I'll even restore the years that were lost due to your mess up. Anybody messed up in the building today? But here, you know, the context here is not that they've messed up. The context here is that they're under persecution, and he's, he's, he's exhorting them, stay in your faith. Stay in your faith. The confidence you've once had, the confidence you had when you rejoiced when your stuff was taken for the cause of Christ that confidence that you had, hold fast to that confidence. Don't let go of that confidence. Verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. You need perseverance. You need to endure. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. For in just a little while... By the way... Uh, did you know so many times we give up right before the breakthrough comes? Did you know so many times as it was with them, exactly as it was with them, it, the, worst, the, the worst moment is the last moment of the worst moment? I, I don't know if you got that. Usually the worst moment is the last moment of the worst moment. And a lot of times what's happening is that through pressure, through pressure, the enemy, trouble, life, hardship, corruption, entropy, whatever we're dealing with, it's ministering or opening up our heart to be ministered to, to give up, but your hardest moment is the moment you shouldn't give up because that's the last moment of the hardest moment. You're about ready to break into a new moment that will be the beginning of a fresh moment of breakthrough in God. So when you feel like it's just like the toughest thing ever, you feel like, is God even there? Does God even hear me? Is anything going on? Is it worth it to keep my faith? Should I continue in this? If you're feeling that way, you're only one moment away. You're only one faith moment away from your breakthrough. You're only one faith moment away from a fresh moment in God. You're at your worst. In just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. In just a little while, 
He who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure. Pastor Joel was talking about pleasure this morning. How we create pleasure for Father. How our faith creates pleasure for Father. How our looking to Father creates pleasure to Father. That little Easton, she was talking about Easton. That little Easton, that little grandkid, that little boy, that little rascal. When he comes over and grabs your pant leg and looks up at you, and he wants to be picked up, whoo, a pleasure bomb just goes right off in your heart. It's irresistible. Irresistible. We, we create that pleasure for Father, right? We're in looking to Him, in having confidence in Him meeting us and seeing us and knowing right where we're at, knowing exactly what you're going through this very moment, that very acknowledgement is, is stirring Him. It's releasing something in the heavenly realm, something around the throne of God that's irresistible. He can't resist that look of, Daddy, I'm looking to you. Daddy, would you pick me up again? Daddy, I need help. Would you just nestle me in? Oh, my goodness. He can't resist it. In just a little while, he's coming, will come, and will not delay it. But my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks, shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed but to those who have faith and are saved. I'm going to go on. We're going to go on. He didn't write this in chapters. He wrote it as a big letter. So moving on, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the confidence, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. For by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now we know chapter 11, he's going to go into this huge, we call it the hall of faith. He's going to go into this, this uh, amazing uh, part, a portion of faith. And part of why he's going to go into that is because he wants to show us that even under the old covenant, there were those who walked by faith. That this whole thing started with faith there were those who walked by faith during the Old Covenant. And, those, and faith is how we continue to please God, to bring God pleasure, that His highest pleasure is that we would walk by faith. And so he's going to go into that in chapter 11, and uh, we're going to look at that next week. He's going to give us several insights about chapter 11, uh, in chapter 11 about faith. But I want, I want you to go back just for a moment and pick this up, and we'll pick it up here at... Uh, verse 37, for in just a little while he who is coming will come and not delay, but my righteous will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. Everybody say it, destroyed. But to those who have faith and are saved. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of, uh, of theology. I'm going to share with you a little bit of what was happening at that moment. And I think that this is, uh, for me, it's critical that you see this in context. So we could wax eloquent out of context, and that would be fine. Uh, but I think it's better that you see it within context. Again, remember, these are Hebrew believers uh, who are under persecution. And uh, 
And yet they knew something was coming. They knew something was happening as well. And, and from the time of the Lord and forward, they had been warned that these who were, who were uh, 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 harming the church, the greatest persecutors of the church at this time and to this time were actually Jewish people. So the very people that had crucified the Lord were now also persecuting the church. And so this is where, this is where great persecution is coming in uh, against believers. And what they knew was that those who are persecuting the church would soon be judged. And also that they knew that according to the word of the Lord, that the temple would be destroyed and that Jerusalem would be trodden under by the Gentiles and that a brand new day would dawn. And this is part of what he's alluding to here. I touched on it last week a little bit when he ends in the passage above and he says that the light is about ready to burst forth. It's the light of a brand new day, the light of a brand new age. When we talk about when we talk in our circles so often, we refer to these as the last days. And we'll talk about this as the last days, but I gave you five scriptures last week that show that actually they were living in the last days of that age. That the last days of that age were then coming to a close and just potentially six years after this was written, Jerusalem came under a complete, actually starting in A.D. 66, Jerusalem came under siege, and that siege continued until A.D. 70. And by A.D. 70, Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple system was destroyed. Sacrificial system was destroyed. Uh, and the prophecies that the Lord decreed or described in Matthew 23, Matthew 24, Luke 21 were actually fulfilled. And this is part of what they were looking to. This is part of what they were understanding. And they were also understanding that if they hid in Jesus, and this is what Paul's trying to tell them, if they hid in Jesus, they would escape the wrath to come. So he's telling them, don't go back to the synagogue. That's where the wrath's going to come. Don't go back to the synagogue. Stay hidden in Jesus because those who are hidden in Yeshua, in the Christ, in the Messiah, they're actually going to escape the wrath that is going to come. So even though you might be feeling like this is a tough time right now, we're going through some tough stuff right now, just hold fast because he who is coming will not delay. And they actually, they actually understood that the judgments coming upon Israel, upon uh, the sacrificial system, this was God bringing to a close the period, the Mosaic period. God was bringing it to a close. And so there was a brand new season springing up. Most of us think that the New Testament season started with the resurrection in and around A.D. 33. But actually, there was a period of time to where there was the tension between two systems existing. 
two systems, two temples existed at the same time. This temple that is now the Holy Spirit and then the temple that existed in Jerusalem. And when God was inaugurating this brand new temple, that's you, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, he also had to phase the other one out. And that other one was about to be destroyed. And those who, felt, who held fast to that system would also be destroyed and scattered or dispersed across the earth until they came back in and recognized Yeshua, until they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Or until what he described is the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. It said, he says in Matthew 24, Luke 21, that Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And we're living in one of the coolest, craziest, most amazing fulfillment days ever because God is restoring Jew and Gentile. God is restoring Yeshua to the Hebrew people. God is grafting them in, and we're living in a day and an age where we're seeing the fulfillment of Scriptures happening in our very day. And Paul says in Romans chapter 11 that when you see that day happening, it's going to be salvation like never before for the entire world. That's the day we're living in. It's an amazing day. It's an amazing day. Uh, are you okay with all this? Is this all right? So Paul called the season of the old world or the season of that which was coming to a close, the Mosaic period, he called that the night and the new that was dawning the day. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we read you a couple of verses on that. I want to read you another one this morning, Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And this do, knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone. The day is at hand. Let us therefore be, uh, lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. There was a lot of this uh, phraseology in the New Testament that maybe you've never recognized. Maybe you've never thought about. Maybe you haven't cared. Maybe you don't care today. But nonetheless, there was a transition where God was bursting forth a brand new time, a brand new season. And, and it's good to care. It's interesting to know about this because the day we live in is so fresh, so different, so powerful, so revelatory. And God wants you to know that. He doesn't want you uh, born of the Spirit but clinging to an old system. He wants you born of the Spirit and clinging to a new system. That's the walk of faith. That's why he's going to spend uh, uh, all of Hebrews talking about faith, about why he's going to bring it to such a hallmark in chapter 11, because he wants you walking by faith, that is, walking by the voice of the Lord. Is that all right? You okay? Uh, let me read to you Matthew 23. We have a couple minutes. I'm going to read. What? Oh, you're shouting testimony. Is that what you were doing? Oh, I thought you were just happy. <laughs> okay, we'll get to the testimony. First, we have to give you uh, some good theology. We have to, we have to, 
We have to wash you, we have to wash you with good theology. Uh, Matthew 23, okay? Verse 31. Consequently, you bear witness against yourselves that, are you, that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers. This is Jesus just using some positive language here. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how shall you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous, righteous Abel to the blood of Zerachiah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you, to her, how oft I wanted to get her, your children, to get her the way a hen getters her chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. Now, this is Jesus. He goes on, and uh, Matthew 24, how many of you know about it? Matthew 24, any Matthew 24 students in the building? Two of you. Three. Okay, so Matthew 24, he goes on, kind of explains how this is going to happen. The disciples, when he says this, they said, well, Tell us more. When is the end of the age coming, uh, and when will these things transpire? So then he says, this temple is going to be torn down, and he's explaining all this stuff that's going on, and then he says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Have you heard that one before? Okay. So then, and he's telling him all this stuff, and by the way, all of this stuff, you know, for the most part, Matthew 24 and Matthew 21 actually came to pass actually has been fulfilled, and, uh, and that's, it's part of why we understand that there isn't a competitive system right now. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There isn't another system. There isn't another temple. The church is where those who have the Holy Spirit gather. We gather. We, we're equipped here. We're trained here. We're strengthened here. We're encouraged here. We worshiped here. We worship here. But you pack the Holy Spirit in here when you come. And when you leave, He goes out with you. He doesn't hang out here all week hoping you come back. He's, he's with you. You are. Your spirit is now the Holy of Holies. And there's not a competitive system. There's not a competitive sacrificial system. He is the sacrifice. So all of that had to come to a close, and those who were refusing to acknowledge Jesus were a part of that which were scattered and perished. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 14. For you, brethren, become imitators, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus, that are in Judea, for you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the utmost. Now, by the way, this is what the tribulation was about. The tribulation is not something for you to fear, though the church, though believers, though there's always been measures of tribulation, 
And since the coming of the Lord, there's always been tribulation around the earth. And essentially what's happening is the systems of the earth, the systems of the demonic, the systems of the carnal realm can't produce righteousness. And so they shake, they tremble, they fall apart. And then God comes and brings righteousness, the message, the gospel, to bring conversion and to bring hearts to follow after Him. So there's tribulations, but the great tribulation is not something that we should fear. The great tribulation was the wrath that would come upon the Jewish people to the utmost to bring the mosaic system to a close and to judge those that were refusing the gospel and to scatter them across the earth. James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, that you yourselves may not be judged. That you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Now, I want you, what I want you to see is that in here, here in Hebrews chapter 10, and in many of these passages, he's not talking about the coming of the Lord as in the rapture or the second coming. He's talking about the coming of the Lord in judgment. The coming of the Lord that they were anticipating was a coming of the Lord in judgment against the enemies of Yeshua and his people, those that were turning to him. There was a coming judgment, and this is why he warns them, not only is it at hand, but he's saying, stay pure, walk with the Lord, stay near to him so that you will not come under this judgment that is about to occur that is at hand. Is this all right? 1 Thessalonians 5, 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and the dates, we don't need to write to you. Why wouldn't he need to write to them, even though he's about to? Because they were taught so well what the Lord told them. The Lord had told, the Lord spent 40 days with them after he rose from the dead, explaining the kingdom to them, explaining, by the way, when you see these things happen, do not stay in Judea. Get to the hills. Get out of town. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, the abomination of desolation that Daniel described in chapter 7 is about to occur. Do not stay in town, no matter what they're saying to you. If somebody says, well, Christ is here, Christ is there. If, no matter what somebody says to you, do not stay in town. I'm giving you my word on it. I'm going to rescue you. You're not destined for wrath. I'm going to save you who are hidden in me if you will get out of town. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety. By the way, this is not the rapture or the second coming. This is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is synonymous with tribulation. It's synonymous with the coming of judgment. It's synonymous with the judgment on the unbelieving. The day of the Lord. And he says the day of the Lord is going to come. And while people are saying, while they are saying, not while we not while we believers are saying, 
while they, the Jewish people, are saying, it's all cool, don't worry. Oh, how many Christians did you kill today? Oh, cool, that's good. And while things are troubled, and they see an increase of trouble, and they're saying, well, don't, it's cool, it's cool, peace and safety, peace and safety, while they're saying that, destruction will come upon them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day will surprise you like a thief. You are children of the light, children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you something. God has not ordained for you to suffer wrath either. And if you belong to, if you, if you, and I know I'm introducing some stuff to you today that's kind of fresh and contrary to some of your thinking. And, and, and so I want to encourage you that if you feel like, no, we're going to have to go through the tribulation and uh, uh, you know, we just, I just, you know, I just can't buy into this. I, I feel like we're going to go through the tribulation. I want to encourage you. God has still not ordained wrath for you. God has not ordained wrath for you. We as believers, no matter what's happening in culture, in society, in our nation, anywhere in the world, we should never fear wrath. We should always look to the reward. We should always look to the Redeemer. We should always look to our Savior. We should never walk around in fear because if you begin to fear wrath, give place to wrath, if you begin to open up your heart to a fear of wrath, then what happens is you welcome a spirit of fear. And you begin to automatically, with that fear of wrath, begin to subconsciously retreat from this bold, confident walk that you have with God and before the Lord. And you begin to kind of hide in corners and hide here and hide there. So no matter what your end time theological perspective is, I would encourage you to embrace what Paul's saying to the Thessalonians in chapter 5, you are not destined for wrath. God has never destined believers for wrath, but for victory and for overcoming grace. And that's got to be your perspective no matter what's happening to the very end. And I would say and encourage you with what we were saying before, that, that at the worst moment for you, you're, that's the last moment of the worst moment. The worst moment in your life is the last moment of the worst moment. God's not destined for you, you for wrath, and you're about ready to break into something fresh and something new. But He's called you to walk by faith. And I know we're out of time for theology uh, and uh, deep stuff like this. If I'm introducing new things to you, then praise the Lord. If it uh, blesses you, then praise the Lord. Uh, if it doesn't, then praise the Lord. Thank you for that prompt, because we're, we're on our first closing. Um, so I want you to see the time, though. See the time frame that they're living in, what they're up against, right? And then he says, my righteous one will live by faith. My righteous one will live by faith. 
I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Now, I like this, and I want to draw attention to it because this is where we're going in chapter 11, and this is what Paul keeps saying. He keeps saying that the righteous live by faith, which is interesting that he said this because in our thinking, we think that this is how we're saved. And we understand phraseology that says that salvation comes by faith. But he says, no, no, it's not just righteousness by faith, or it's not just salvation through faith. He says, my righteous will live by faith. Not just get saved. Did everybody have a salvation experience? How many of you had a salvation experience? He says it's not just that you'll get saved by faith, but he's saying, and to them in their context, he's saying you're going to get through every single day by faith. Don't shrink back. You're actually going to get through every single day. Well, I don't know how tomorrow's going to go. I don't know how this evening's going to turn out. I don't know if the armies are coming in. I don't know if it's going to get worse. I don't know if persecution's going to get worse. I don't know. So he's saying to them in their immediate context, you're going to live every moment by faith. You're not just saved by faith. You live by faith. But he's saying that to you as well today. He's saying that to you as well today. Is that it's not just getting saved that's important by faith, but it's actually living. This is the new life. This is the new creation. This is the life that was springing up. It's the life that Adam and Eve enjoyed before they fell in the garden, that, that the voice of the Lord would literally come and hover near them, and they would have conversation, and they would receive instruction. And now we come to... The New Testament, and Jesus says, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And he says, and my sheep will know my voice. And I'm telling you today, you know his voice. doesn't mean you've not resisted it. doesn't mean you've not said no to it. It doesn't mean you've already, always cooperated with it. But you know his voice. And that's how not only you become saved, but it's how he's ordained for you to live. The righteous will live by faith. By following the voice of the Lord, we're saved from wrath, we're helped and preserved, we're directed. By esteeming the voice of the Lord, we, we put the voice above past religious experience. We esteem the voice of the Lord above experiences, above circumstances. This is what it is to live by faith. To live by faith is to esteem the voice of the Lord above relatives, above peer pressure, above family structure, above the seduction of the sinful nature. Following the voice of the Lord fully. Let's stand this morning. I'm going to ask the band to come and help us close. I'll read it to you. It blessed me. Got a message on uh, Facebook Messenger. From one of our uh, newer church members. By the way, are you here today? Anybody here? Do you like it here? You're a member. <laughs> Facebook Messenger uh, 
got a testimony. Uh, I, you won't know who. I'm not going to tell you the name because I, I didn't get permission and that it wouldn't be right anyway. But, but here's a testimony. I just wanted to share my testimony. Came in my little Facebook messenger yesterday. I've been going from house to house. I was in an abusive relationship, didn't feel safe in my home, so I left in September with my children. Since then, I've been from place to place. But going to New Horizon has given me so much strength through this tough time. I was having difficulty finding a place and getting denied because of my credit. But two Sundays ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, give $20 during the offering. I was busy during the worship service and just couldn't run and do it at that moment. So I'm figuring out how am I going to do it. But during announcements, I got freed up and ran to my purse and put it in the offering. The next day, I went apartment searching and landed on a place. I was worried because they went through the, I went through the same company I'd gotten denied with previously. I relied on faith and did my application anyways. Later on that evening, I got approved. Since then, since then, I got help with my move-in cost. I got my keys today. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what blessed me. Here's what blessed me. I heard the Lord say, put $20 in. That's what blessed me. And I thought, how can I do that? How can I do that? So this person, they start strategizing on how to get freed up and how to do this. Now I got blessed because that's not a lot of money. $20 is not a lot of money. But maybe to this person it was a lot of money. I got blessed that the Lord used obedience to His Word and the sowing of a seed to create a breakthrough. The breakthrough does not... Can I give you a thought? The breakthrough in your life doesn't come from the amount. It comes from the obedience. It comes from yes. It comes from recognizing that He is supreme, He who is superior, He who represents you, He who knows all things, He who wants you to partake of Father's blessings is going to lead you. He's going to speak to your heart. And the righteous don't just get saved by faith. The righteous live by faith. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the Word of Christ. And so what blesses me is that this person obeyed that leading in such a way that it created a breakthrough so that her worst moment was the last moment of her worst moment. And now this person has moved into a fresh and a new season, not only circumstantially, but in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord. Because this person followed the leading of the Lord, and the leading of the Lord was critical for this person's breakthrough, not only circumstantially, but now the way 
the way they the way they're thinking about the leading of the Lord right the more you follow that voice of the Lord and you see it result in breakthrough you see it result in help you see it result in courage and strength and favor and, and the more you become determined I'm going to follow that leading I'm going to follow that leading. I'm not going to throw away my confidence. There's a reward attached to this. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to shrink back. There's a reward attached to this. There's something good attached to this. Yeah, but things are tough. Things are bad. Things are, but there's a reward attached to this, so I'm not going to shrink back. Amen. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes this morning. To walk by faith, to live by faith. It's to esteem His Word. And, so I want you to just tell him this morning, would you do it as we close this morning, that you esteem his word. That you esteem his word. He knows your heart. He knows your future. He knows your situations. He knows every circumstance. He knows all you're going through. He knows what you're going to go through. Would you just lift up your voice? doesn't have to be super loud. Just make the place where you're standing right there. A place of declaration. That you love His Word, you esteem His Word, you're glad to be led by Him. You're glad to be led by Him. You're thankful for every word He's ever brought you, and you're looking forward to the words that are just ahead. The words that are just ahead. This afternoon, there's fresh instruction, there's fresh insight. Tomorrow morning, this is why He said man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Those words have the, the power, the potential. They have the grace for faith attached to them. And so, Lord, we just rejoice in you today. We rejoice that we have your word. We rejoice that you brought us near to Father. We rejoice. We rejoice that you brought us into the place of hearing that our hearts are made alive by you. We say nothing thrills us greater, nothing thrills us more than your word. But we rejoice, we rejoice that you've spoken to us, that you're leading us in a faith walk, that you're leading us into victories, that even what we're going through at this moment will burst into that which is so much better as we follow your word. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say it.